to Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. When you get there, if you just join us on your feet once again, this will be the last time you have to stand. I'll do all the standing from there on. Amen. Romans 5, verse 17 from the New King James Version. Uh, we have that on the screen in front of you uh, here in a moment. You ready? Okay, let's read together. Ready, read. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ, through the one Jesus Christ. Now, those of you who've been here for the last several weeks, you remember we, we've been on this verse quite a bit talking about uh, the abundance of grace here. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the second half of that, the gift of righteousness. If we receive the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So tonight, the gift of righteousness. Father God, tonight, we stand before you as your sons and daughters, believing you to minister the word of God to us. We believe that, Father, the word that you will minister tonight is what we need. It's the word of your grace, which is able to build us up and give us, give us an inheritance among the saints. We ask that, Father, that, God, you give us hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts, so that we can grab hold of, lay hold of the word of God and every promise that's in it. I pray, Father, that God, you do something supernatural on the inside of us. Let it manifest on the outside in our lives, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 All right, you may be seated. The gift of righteousness. Can you say that with me? The gift of righteousness. Now, we've been talking again uh, on this subject area of grace, grace. And if you recall, I gave you a definition of grace that I was hoping you would write down and take it to heart. We called it a divine enablement, divine enablement. I, you know, I know many people in the church still uh, use grace to call it favor. Now, understand there is an element of favor in grace, okay? When you look at the word grace, most times the New Testament is the, the Greek word charis, charis, which you'll see that in the, in the definition, in that uh, layout, favor. You'll see goodwill and so forth. So there is an element of favor, but for the New Testament saint, what we mostly want to harp on for us is the ability of God, a divine enablement, God's ability gift, we call it, Right? We said it's the power from God to perform beyond natural ability, okay? And so based on this verse, Romans 5, 17, we also looked at uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, rather 2 Corinthians 9, 14 and 15, we saw that about the exceeding grace of God in you. How many of y'all remember that? And so we talked about how living by grace enables us, based on what we read here, to reign in life. And that life should never be ruling over us. You got it? Now, in the world, they don't have this. Only people have access to this grace are the children of God. I think it's Romans, put, up, put it on the screen, Romans 5, verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep going, verse 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into... 
this grace in which we stand. So grace, this grace is for the believer. This grace is for the believer. If you're an unbeliever, you don't have access to this grace. There's a difference here. Okay? God can favor anybody. But grace, the ability of God is only for the believer. That's big right there. That's big to get. Okay? So this grace that you and I as believers have enables us to reign in life and never allow life to rule over us. So you and I should never have uh, life dominating us. You know, people say, well, that's just life. Well, wait a minute, not for the believer. Believer is not, not supposed to have, well, that's just life, and life just, you got to take life as it comes to you. No, 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 wait a minute. In, um, oh, man. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians and chapter 3, um, Paul says something in verse 20, 21. He says, I'm, I'm going to go 21 and 22 and 23. <laughs> he says, therefore, let no one boast in men or in the natural. For, for, say it loud, crowd. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos, come on, or Cephas is Peter, or the world, come on, or life or death and it's, he says or things present or things to come all are yours so life is yours now <laughs> how many of y'all have a dog a dog few of y'all have a dog sometimes I wonder when I see folk walk with their dogs who's the master I just, I kind of, I always wonder who's really in charge because at least in my, my neighborhood, when I walk around, I see people walking with their dogs and the people walking, they got the dog and they got the little plastic bags in their hand and the little dog is walking, primping, all of a sudden the dog says, stops, drops. Okay, so the dog stops, drops, lets out a load, right? And then here come the little the masters got to stop and pick up the dog's load and everything. And or sometimes I see them have the little dogs in the stroller. The dogs say you got to go outside. You got to go take the dog outside. You got to go. Up. And I want to know who's in charge here. Is it your dog or is, are you his? His human. I just, I'm just, I'm just messing around with you. But see, if, if he says life is yours, not you are life's. I better come over here. Life is yours. So life is not supposed to dominate you. You dominate life. You see. Thank you, Lord. Well, grace is what enables us to do that. 
Remember what we read here in Romans 5.17, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at that same verse in the Amplified Classic, please. Amplified Classic. Very quickly, please. Um, and then we're going to go to the CEB and the CEV as well. Amplified Classic says it this way. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip through all the preliminary and go right to the end of this here. It says, reign as kings in life. So I wanted you to, to jot that down in your memory here. Reign as kings in life. Does that move anybody besides me? I tell you, you this all the time, and it bears repeating, this verse revolutionized my life. The Bible says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I meditate this verse so much, my mind got renewed to the fact that I was a king, and it transformed my life. It changed how I walked, changed how I lived, changed how I acted, changed how I expected things, changed everything about my life. When I discovered I'm a king. Some of you, the Lord is waiting for you to discover that you're a king or ladies, if you allow, a queen. But a king is not gender specific. A king means you're in charge. You're a ruler. Can you say amen? amen. Put the CEB, the, the Common English Bible up. At the end it says, uh, we'll even more certainly rule in life. You see that? We'll even more certainly do what? Rule in life. Tell your neighbor, rule in life. Donald Lawrence, on one of his songs on that Law of Confession album, says, rule, rulers rule. He says that rule, rulers rule. There is a king in you. Y'all don't know if you remember that song. There's a king in you. Tell your neighbor, there's a king in you. So rule. No, tell them again. They missed it. Tell them there's a king in you. So rule. Well, Pastor, how do I rule? Kings rule by decree. You speak it. Remember we just read in 1 Corinthians 3, life and death, they're yours. Well, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you dominate life by what you speak. Your life is voice activated. Where you're going is based on what you say. Hallelujah. You can't even walk out this door tonight without saying you're going to the door. Do you know that? Oh, you may not, may not speak out of your mouth, but internally you say, I'm going to the door. I'm going to the car. That's just, that's just how your life works. You don't go anywhere without speaking it first, whether it's out of your mouth or internally you speak it. You do nothing without that. Well, I hope this is helping three people in here. So if you don't like the direction that your life is currently going, you got to start thinking and speaking something different. You got it? Okay, so let's look at the CEV. The CEV. It says this, the last line, and so we will live and rule like kings. Live and rule how? How many of you want to live like a king? And rule like a king. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. I'm, not, I'm concerned about you. Well, I want, I'm okay living like a pauper. No, 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 no. 
No. Can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Can you really handle what I'm about to say to you? If you're a child of God, you're not allowed to. If you're a child of God, you're not allowed to live like a pauper. Oh, you may be doing it, but you are going against the will of God. I don't know if y'all can handle that. What I just said. You don't have a right. You don't have a right to let life rule over you. Now, I know I don't have many paupers in here. I'm, I'm saying, but I'm, I'm talking about, but we're supposed to be ruled like a king, though. Many of us are somewhere, somewhere between pauper and king. <laughs> and God wants us to rule like kings. That when you see a problem, you speak to that problem. Some of y'all, when you walk around your neighborhood, don't just walk. Speak. Decree something about your neighborhood, about those neighbors. Neighbors, are, boy, they always fighting. Stop saying that they're always fighting. Start saying, I declare peace in that home right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Rule and live like a king. And let me tell you something, and you might as well get used to it. Because we're going to do this forever. See, y'all listening? Yes. When you rule in life as a king, you are practicing on you with the intent of operating over the whole earth. I'm going to get to righteousness here if y'all let me. I, I'll get to it, but I'm still on this reigning here. You, you, see, a lot of us will, have, will struggle in, in the end time in the end end because we have not received and walked in our mandate right now. Jesus says, you've been faithful over least, I make a rule over much. Y'all didn't like that. When you're faithful over the least, I'll make your ruler over much. I'll make you what? ruler, which means he's watching how you practice on the least. He's watching how you rule over the least. Either way, you got to rule. So you and I are practicing right now on our individual lives and families. On the small circle around us, the small part of the world we can influence right now. But God's ultimate intent is that we rule over the whole earth. Let me give you scriptures because some of y'all look puzzled. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10. Revelation 5, go back to verse uh, 8. Let's go back to verse 8. Revelation 5, verse 8. Y'all know how I do media. <laughs> Thank you, media. Just We got a great team. Look at Revelation 5, verse 8. It says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are what? The prayers, the prayers of the saints. Your prayers are constantly before God. Yes. Isn't that good? They're being preserved in bowls right now. Verse 9, please. 
It says, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us. Us, we're the us, to God by your blood. That's Jesus. Out of, out of, out of every tribe. Tell your neighbor, you're included. It don't matter what tribe you're from. The Hikawa, the Shikawa, the Shikwa, the Tikwa, the Bombizi tribe, Bantu tribe. <laughs> Every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That's how the kingdom of God looks. That the kingdom of God is supposed to be a, 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 a conglomerate of every kind of person. That's why in our confession, we believe God that people come from every ethnicity, yes. every background. Yes. God doesn't have a black church in mind or a white church in mind. It's the church. You know, when we get in heaven, there's not going to be a black kingdom and a white kingdom and a. That, that also means there's not going to be a Haitian kingdom. And a Chinese kingdom because, well, you know, we speak Creole and we speak Chinese, we speak, no, no. We're going to be, he said, from every language. All is one. We're going to all understand each other. Thank you, because I don't understand Spanish now, but I'll, I'm understanding whatever it's going to be. <laughs> okay, verse 10, verse 10. Let me, let, me, let me pick up the pace here. Verse 10. Now watch this. Here's what is, what's happened. After he's redeemed us, and brought us together, and have made us, come on, read it, kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So notice two things. He's made us kings, one, and priests to our God. We aren't kings to God. We are priests to God. We are kings, and we reign on the earth. Can you say amen? Yes. He's made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall do what? Reign. That's what I'm telling you. You better learn right now. You better practice right now. You better practice right now. Because we're going to do this a long time. And it's going to be over bigger territory. You got to practice reigning over your house and your neighborhood. Because one of y'all is going to be assigned all of Pinellas County. One of y'all, you might, might be a sign of all of Florida. You know, everybody ain't saved. So we're going to have regions to reign over and people to reign over. Because when you read this here in Revelation 5, in fact, let's add one more here. Let's go to Revelation 20, verse 6. This is background. I'm just laying a foundation tonight. My wife asked me, is you going to start this series on a Wednesday? Yeah, because I can lay a foundation on a Wednesday. A lot of Sunday people just kind of kind of just... Spoon them a little bit. But Wednesday, y'all can receive the meat. We can, we can kind of lay a foundation. Amen. Amen. Revelation 20, verse 6 says, blessed and holy. Uh, uh, let's go back to verse uh, 4. Verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus mm. and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image. So those who are around during that time, if you're going to make it in, you got to go through that. 
didn't worship the beast or his image. Noah had received the vaccine. I meant received the mark of the beast. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm, just, I'm only kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm only kidding. The vaccine is not the mark of the beast, I assure you. It's just a precursor. Okay. And on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ how long? A thousand years. Now, remember, they're sitting on thrones. Or the, 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 the apostles are, are judging them. But here, now you're going to see these people who come in and they reign. Now, keep going, verse 5 and 6, please. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the what? Now, verse 6. Here we go. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him now, that's a long time. How many of y'all can even imagine a thousand years? I mean, most of these young folk have a hard time imagining 20 years. Right? Most of these kids can't imagine what was, you know, them being 20 years old. I mean, we can because we already been that two or three times. <laughs> right? <laughs> but so I want you to imagine... A thousand years of what? Reigning. Now, this is reigning over sinners that are still on the earth. That means you're going to reign over people, reign over companies. Because society is still functioning during this time. Oh, I don't know if y'all understand that. Society is still going on at this time. So you might as well get used to reigning now. All right, maybe that didn't mean anything. All right. Now, so we've been dealing with grace. Again, Romans 5, 17, how grace enables us to reign. But we're going to look at the fact that it's not grace working alone. Grace is not a solo act here. Grace has a partner. Grace is a partner. You'll see many times in Scripture where there's a partner, like faith and patience. Right. Hebrews 6, 12 talks about that. It says, do not be sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So faith, you'll see faith and patience coupled together several times through Scripture. So faith and patience are partners in allowing uh, us to inherit promises. So here in Romans 5, 17, grace does not work alone says, much more those having received and the abundance of grace and, and, here comes the partner, of the gift of righteousness. Now, I have a, I have a theory that I'm, I'm really meditating on, working on. I'm just, I, I, I submit to you that if we are, because I've studied several versions of this, if you were to look at this scripture, this word abundance is what comes from grace and the gift of righteousness. Abundance is what allows you to reign. Okay, let me, let me help you because some of y'all are slow right now on this. I don't mean... I don't mean intellectually slow. I'm talking about just spiritually 
Just trying to catch what I'm saying. So it's not a knock against anybody, okay? How many of you know the Bible says that the rich rule over the poor? But the borrower is servant to the lender. The rich ruled over the poor, Proverbs 22, 7, right? So the rich rule over the poor. So riches allow you to reign. So when we read Romans 5, 17, it says much more those who receive abundance. Notice it didn't say the abundance and abundance. It just said receive abundance. King James reads the same way. Receive abundance of or from or because of grace and of an abundance that comes of, from, because of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Now, that's not my point. I just thought I'd throw that in there for free. It's just like Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 when Paul talks about how he was taken up to paradise and saw things that were uh, unspeakable. And he said uh, how the, he, there was a thorn put in his flesh because of the abundance of revelations. And people say, because Paul's getting a lot of revelations. No, that's not what Paul was saying. He was saying revelations was bringing me abundance. And the devil had, I got I to gotta stop him. This boy getting too big for us. <laughs> okay, I'll let you chew on that yourself. Okay, so we're talking about, go back to Romans 5.17 here. We're talking about Grace's partner called the gift of righteousness. Much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So we see there are two parts that are needed here to reign. Two components that we need here. Abundance of grace or grace and the gift of righteousness. Do you see that? That's pretty plain to see, right? Now, that word righteousness, can I give you that in the Greek? You're going to help me try to pronounce this? I'm, I'm trying to start putting these pronunciations in the, in the definition so y'all can see it. Daika yosunai. Nay. Daika yosunai. Okay. Somebody got it. One of y'all Greek-speaking people, give it to me. Dikeosene. Did I get it? Okay. Fine. Let's look at what it means when it says the gift of righteousness here. That word righteousness, dikeosene, means in, in a broad sense, this is right out of, out of the concordance here, in a broad sense, listen to this, the state of him who is as he ought to be. The state of him who is as he ought to be. Boy, y'all got it. This is good, boy. I don't know. When I saw this, boy, this is a blessing to me. Who is the state of, of, of who is as he ought to be? Righteousness. The condition acceptable to God. The condition acceptable to God. So there is an, uh, an unacceptable condition to God. A person who is in sin, they are unacceptable to God. Give me a John 9 and verse uh, 30, let's try 31. 
maybe 35, but let me, let me just see John 9, 31. Yeah, that's it, John 9, 31. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners. Y'all quiet right there. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners. You know why God does not hear sinners? Because they are in an unacceptable condition. Well, I just—I disagree, Pastor. That's that's not right. Well, just let's rip it out at the Bible then. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, because sinners are not in an, in a, an acceptable condition. Now, when does God hear a sinner? When a sinner is trying to become acceptable. That's the moment He hears them, and then from now on, they're righteous, and now they're acceptable. Okay, y'all didn't like that. Y'all really didn't like that, did you? Did I call y'all a sinner? I didn't call y'all sinners, did I? But you think about your favorite rap star. And they giving glory to God. Your favorite athlete, your favorite movie star, and they to my sending out prayers and thoughts. And that what they say we send in our prayers and thoughts. Somebody got hurt, somebody's disease or whatever. We send in prayers and thoughts. You might as well keep those prayers and thoughts. Because we know that God is not here sinners. Because you're not in an acceptable condition. Well, I don't know. I knew so and so, and they prayed and be, and they prayed and then and God did something. No, no, not because of their prayer. God had moved on someone else as an intercessor to pray. Y'all don't like this in this Baptist church. But it's the truth. Put that scripture back on the screen, John 9, 31. But if anyone is worship of God and does his will, he hears him. That's, that's plain. Now, on your screen, what color is that in, on your screen? Is white? Right, okay. So this is the story. Jesus is, is, has healed a blind man. And this man saying, listen, hey, we, don't, we know God doesn't hear sinners. They're they trying to debate whether Jesus was a sinner or not. You read the story. Jesus healed a blind man. The boy, man blind from birth. Who sinned? Him and his father. Y'all remember that story? And the man was like, listen, we know God doesn't hear a sinner. So this man who healed me couldn't have been a sinner. Because God doesn't hear sinners, and clearly I'm healed. All right, I better move on from that. You're all... That's why you got to pray for your unsaved family. I said, that's why you got to pray for your unsaved family, your unsaved friends. Because God ain't hearing a word they're saying. They think he does, but he doesn't. They're being sustained because you're interceding. So keep interceding for them. Okay, so righteousness. Let's get back, back on the screen, please. How y'all say it? Dikeusene. Okay. <laughs> In a broad sense, y'all are such a smart group of people. The state of him who is, who is as he ought to be, watch this now, righteous, the condition acceptable to God. Now, it comes from another Greek word, uh, 1342, 
dikaios, which means righteous. Now, let's put that word righteous on the screen for me, please. Look at what it means. Righteous, observing divine laws. Here's his next set. This is what I love here. Innocent, faultless, guiltless, approved or acceptable of God. Boy, this is, this is good. If you show enough save, boy, you, 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 you're excited about this here. Because you were made this. It's a gift. Gift means you didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. He gave it freely. You couldn't pay for it. Tell your neighbor, you can't buy your salvation. Tell them you can't buy righteousness. It's too expensive. But the price has been paid. It's way too expensive. Much too expensive. But I'm glad on Calvary's cross the price was already paid for us to be made righteous. To be made innocent. Made innocent. How many of y'all, when you got saved, you knew you weren't innocent? Tell the truth. You knew you were the farthest thing from innocent. I was not innocent. Maybe when you were born, you were innocent. You were cute and innocent, but by the time you hit the third grade, fifth grade, and you started, you know, playground play, none of y'all know about any playground folly, do you? Oh, y'all don't know nothing about them tunnels on the playground and the swing sets and all that kind of stuff and cafeteria romance and all that stuff? Or you start sipping your uncle beer? Your uncle had a beer on the can. You start sipping out of your uncle's beer? <laughs> sipping everybody's beer. You were far from innocent. You were not faultless. Definitely weren't guiltless. You weren't approved. And I have some news for you. You were not acceptable. But we have received a gift of righteousness. Now, a gift means when you receive a gift, some of y'all are planning on receiving gifts, hoping to receive gifts here in a few days, 24 days, the countdown is on. Hopefully, some of y'all plan to give some gifts. Okay. But when a gift is given, it means one moment the person didn't have it. And in the next moment, they have it. They are instantly the owner and possessor of something that they did not have a moment ago. And as excited as you and I were and will be to give them that gift, how excited do you think Father God was to give us the gift of righteousness? When he sees someone who is unacceptable, someone who is, who is, who is guilty, someone who is faulty, someone who is unapproved, and he's just waiting... He saw us in all of our mess. 
As we say, he looked beyond our faults and he saw our needs. Can you imagine the excitement on God's heart, the smile on his face? That's why the Bible says there's more joy in heaven. Luke 15, there's more joy in heaven when one sinner repents. There is great joy in heaven when one sinner repents than 99 who have no need of repentance. Imagine the prodigal son's father. One moment he's sorrowful, yet hopeful. His son comes to him, he's all dirty and filthy, guilty, unacceptable. And he comes and he's going to confess to his father how unacceptable he is. And his father says, don't even say that. Bring the fatted calf. Bring him the best robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put uh, sandals on his feet. My son is now home. In an instant, that son was unacceptable, guilty, a mess, to insulate being made right. He didn't deserve it. So much so his elder brother came and told his father how he didn't deserve it. His elder brother made sure he let his father know, hey, this boy yours, he came, he, he went and spent all your money on prostitutes. See, he named it now. He don't even know what the boys was out there doing. Ain't like, like the boys posting on Instagram what he was doing. <laughs> Tweeting, you know, I'm having fun tonight down there in Canaan land. He wasn't doing any of that. But the boys, his brother, brother's going to make up stuff. He's, you know, he's probably right, but I'm saying he don't know. And yet the father received him, and in an instant, a gift of righteousness. Right. That's what the root of righteousness is. Right. Made right in an instant. Now, I don't know if that goes over well with you all, but in my mind, when I think about where I was, and where I was headed as a result of where I was. I was headed to a devil's hell for eternity. And in a moment of time, February 12th, 1989, on a Sunday morning, in an instant, God made me right. Somebody just say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me keep going here. Let me keep going here. Let's go back to Romans 5.17. We're talking about here the gift of righteousness. This, the state of him who is as he ought to be. It's a gift. He made you instantly what you ought to be. Now, we're just laying a foundation. We're going to get more into this as we go on a couple services here. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God, an acceptable condition. Well, that's big. Do you know you can't approach a king in his palace, in his inner court, without being in an acceptable condition? If you weren't dressed apart, if you didn't have your, a smile on your face, if he didn't release this, leave his scepter out, hold his scepter out to you, 
it was off with your head instantly. You could just barge on in there. I'm going to see the king. Esther knew that. The bulk of the, of the book of Esther, the beginning of the book of Esther, is her spending that whole year, I think it was, being made acceptable. She wasn't going to go in that all, you know, scalp all dandruff up and zits and pimples all over her face and ashy legs and no, smell all, smell her like, you know, she don't play full court basketball, three games, you know, no. She spent a whole year being made beautiful. Skin right. Then they bathe in oil and all that kind of stuff. I mean, to make sure she was glowing. Then she told people, hey, y'all fast because I'm going to see the king. Because she knew you couldn't just go before the king unacceptable. Are y'all catching this here? So when you and I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and this course with praise, that's the acceptable password, passport into his kingdom. But what allows us to stand before him is righteousness. Righteousness. Who shall stand before his holy hill? Clean hands and a pure heart. See? righteousness and here it is God gave us the gift of righteousness Old Testament before Jesus Christ went to the cross they had to do things to make themselves righteous but after the cross you and I received the gift Boy, that saves a lot of work, doesn't it? Does this mean anything to anybody on this side over here? You know, if you had received this gift, you couldn't even pray and talk to God. You couldn't approach him at all. Because he, he is a holy God. He is a righteous God. Put up uh, 1 John 2 and verse 1. No, let's start at 1 John 1 and verse 9. And then we'll go to 2 and verse 1. 1 John 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, this is after the cross now. This is once we're already made righteous. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us our sins and to do what? Now, why is it important that he cleanses from all unrighteousness? Because it's unacceptable. We can't go back before him until we're cleansed. Do y'all understand how important this is? You understand, I mean, you understand this is so important that you and I could not even stand before God, couldn't approach God, couldn't talk to him without being made acceptable to him. Now look at chapter 2, verse 1. 2, verse 1. My little children, these things are right to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father 
Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate with the Father. Now where is Jesus? He's at the Father's right hand advocating for us. He is the righteous. So for him to advocate for us, he must be righteous. So now you and I, to come before his throne, we have to pass through Jesus. Pass through the blood. I hope this is helping three or four people here now. I hope it's helping us to gain a greater appreciation for the gift we have received. Okay, now let, let's, let's, let's try to wrap this up here uh, as close as we can here. All right, go back to Romans 5.17. So we're going to note a couple things and we're going we're gonna, to, we'll be done. I think we will have laid a good foundation tonight. Because I really want to tonight create in you hopefully stir an appetite for righteousness. To understand what we have, what has been freely given to us. And then appreciate it. Because when you appreciate, you ever, you ever given somebody a gift and they left it like laying around? Like, like wow. That's really how you're going to handle that? I mean, I shopped for two days. Gonna, just gonna leave it right over here. Throw it like it is nothing. And then how, how you? Some, sometimes you want to do that to your kids. You buy your kids this big old gift, and I'm talking about when they little toddlers, and they play with the box. Like, are you playing with the box? You mean to tell me I could have gone to Home Depot and bought some boxes? I'm telling you, all you parents, you got little preschool, little toddlers, don't buy gifts. Go to Home Depot and buy some boxes. They'll be just fine. They'll be just fine. They even now have the boxes now that, that tell you how to, how to make a castle out of them and stuff like that. Because they realize kids are playing more with the boxes than they're playing with the toys. So I, I hope to, to stir in every one of us an appreciation for this gift I know this is gift season, but here's the greatest gift. Jesus was the gift to us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Isaiah 9, 6. Now, gift of Jesus includes the gift of salvation. We get the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here it is, the gift of righteousness. Now, let's go back to Romans 5.17. Let's try to wrap this up here. For if by the abundance, sorry, for if by the one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Now, 
let's, let's deal with it just as we understand it without, you know, I shared with you earlier about a revelation about abundance. Let's just deal with it. Let's just assume we're talking about an abundance of grace. Okay? I want you to note here that abundance, or rather that grace, if that's the case, is measurable. It's quantifiable. Because he said, abundance of grace. Y'all understand that? So that means you can measure it. You can, you can quantify. Remember I gave you this scripture here, uh, James 4, verse 6? James 4, verse 6, this is how we know. But he gives more grace. So you and I start out with a measure of grace. We cover that, right? But here we know, uh, 2 Peter 3, 18, we can grow in grace. So you can get more grace, you can grow in grace, and you can have an abundance of grace. There's a measure of grace. You can grow in grace. You can have an abundance of grace. In fact, we read you can have exceeding grace. You can measure. You can quantify it. But we're not given a measure of righteousness. We can't grow in righteousness. We can't get an abundance of righteousness. We can't get exceeding righteousness. We either have it or we don't. You either have it or you don't. And how do you get it? It's a gift. So you have to receive it. Are y'all seeing that? So there's no quantity to righteousness. Now watch this. This is important. This is important. And because this, this is going to, at some point, I'm, I'm kind of listening to Listen, like to see, all right, Lord, where are we going to go after this whole thing? Because I, I kind of see another way down the road, but I'm not going to push God to go somewhere he don't want to go. Because I see after righteousness, we got to deal with holiness. That's, that's me, what I'm thinking. There's a, there's a holiness aspect. Okay? But here it is here. You can't quantify righteousness. You cannot Watch this. Increase or decrease righteousness. You can't increase or decrease righteousness. It's a gift. It's righteousness. Watch this. It's, it's the gift or it's being being what you ought to be. It's being in an acceptable condition, innocent, faultless, guiltless, approved, and accepted by God. Either you is or you ain't. I know that's not proper English. Either you are or you are not righteous. You can't next week work hard and be more righteous next week than you are this week. You also cannot fail and be less righteous next week than you are this week. 
Because it's a gift. It's a gift. You have been made righteous. I'll deal with that in another message, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are made righteous. You see? So I cannot, de- I cannot increase it. I can increase the fruits of my righteousness. But I cannot increase my righteousness. Nor can I decrease it. How many of y'all been saved more than 10 years? Keep your hands up if you've been saved more than 20 years. Keep your hands up if you've been saved more than 30 years. I've been saved more than 30 years. All right, a few of us, good. More than 30 years I've been saved. 30, 32 years. Next, next February 12th will be 33 years I've been saved. I've not been perfect, but I've been made right. And the reason why I am still righteous today is because when I did have an imperfection, I confessed my sins to him. He was faithful immediately. And he was faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all un. This is bad English, but ain't you glad about that? Ain't you glad? Ask your neighbor, ain't you glad about that? We used to have a song, I'm so glad salvation's free. I'm so glad salvation's free. Salvation's free for you and for me. Saints, I'm so glad salvation's free. It's free. Righteousness is a free gift. Listen, if I couldn't afford to get the gift when I got it, I can't afford to increase it. And if I didn't earn it to get it, I can't do something to not get it. If I didn't merit it, you know, people talk about grace, unmerited favor. Righteousness was unmerited. You and I didn't earn it. It's a free gift. I'm so glad. Now watch this again. Righteousness is is the, the gift of being what you ought to be in acceptable condition Innocent, faultless, guiltless, approved and accepted by God. Approved and accepted by God. Glory to God. 
approved and accepted by God. Approved and accepted by God. Now that's important because do you understand most people in, in, in uh, modern society in, in, you know, outside of third world countries, and even it may happen there, but I mean in, in first world nations like ours, people spend their whole lives trying to find approval and acceptance by somebody. Oh, God, yes. People change how they dress, trying to be approved or accepted by this group. People who, you, who they, 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 they ain't never seen nobody drinking, but they go to school and the kids over here drinking, so all of a sudden they start sipping because they're trying to be approved or accepted by that group. That's why gangs flourish. Gangs, G-A-A-G-A-N-G-S, gangs flourish because people are trying to be accepted and approved. They want to be part of something. People go off to school and the one thing they come do is the frats and sororities come through and they want to get you, hey, you want to be accepted in our group? They're going to put on their little step show in the yard and they're going to flash all their little colors, all their little symbols, all their little, little dances, all that kind of stuff, trying to get people, hey, our group is the best group. So people, gonna, they're going to they're gonna lose their dignity. They give up their dignity to be accepted and approved by folk. People do all kind of things to be accepted and approved. People will give up their integrity to be accepted and approved by somebody. People will compromise their walk with God if they're not really understanding their righteous condition all will be accepted by somebody. One of the things that you see this happen, especially when you have someone who's born into a household and either daddy wasn't there or mom and dad weren't there, they will spend much of their childhood, if not much of their lives, trying to find somebody who will accept them. And little girls will date a man that's 20, 30 years older than him, than they are. Because they're looking for their daddy. No, if, if that's real love, ain't I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, saying, I'm not. But what I'm saying, I'm talking about that this this other way that this happens. You're looking for somebody to accept him. And people really spend their lives changing, adjusting. Oh, this is the new fashion trend. Okay, well, I need to change my whole fashion trend over here. I need because this is what everybody is accepting and approving now. And nobody knows who you are from week to week. One week you got long hair down to your to your, your back of your thigh. <laughs> Next week is short and straight, going up into purple. We don't know what. what. Next week you got eyelashes out of here, and then you got double eyelashes. We don't know who you are from week to week. Why? Just trying to be accepted. Trying to be approved. I'm not, I'm not talking about you, baby. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but if the shoe fits, you wear the shoe.
People join little cliques. People click up in church. Click up right in church. Trying to be, and what happened? Because people want to join a certain clique, and this clique don't deal with that clique. You don't talk to people in that clique because you need this clique to approve you this month. In the church. Because in reality, people are trying to be accepted and approved. But watch this. My children, we have four, four children. Every one of them, when they were born, the instant they were born, in fact, before they were born, they were already born innocent, guiltless, accepted, faultless, and approved. Do you understand that? They were born innocent, born guiltless, born faultless. They were born accepted and approved. When they were born, they didn't have to do anything to make us approve them. They were just born. They were just born. That's it. They didn't do anything special. They didn't come out and cry a certain way. Okay. No, they just were born, and we, we accepted them. As a father, I acknowledged them and accepted them. I acknowledge them. That's my child. Oh, it's, I see an identifying mark on you. That's definitely my child. <laughs> right? But I acknowledged them and accepted them the instant they were born. Nobody had to get me. We better take a test. No, I ain't taking no test. No, this is my children. I know those are my children. Not only do I accept them, I approve them. I approve of them. They're acceptable to me. And I was willing to let the whole world know it. Nothing that they do. Now, as they got teeth and they grew and they start doing little, you know, things. You know how kids do things. Y'all know, y'all know, y'all know your kids do stuff. That are, the things are unacceptable. I'm going to come on this side. Because they didn't get it. Y'all got it. They did some, un- they have done unacceptable things. But that didn't change the fact that I still accept them. They have done or said things that I have not approved of. But I still approve of them. They've done things that have made me want to come across, and I have come across the table on them. But it didn't change their their condition with me. I'm still going to feed them. I'm still going to clothe them. I'm still going to give them a place to lay their head. I'm still going to provide. I'm still going to love them. Because their errors did not change their position. Are you hearing this? So with God, our 
errors don't change our position. He gave us the gift of righteousness. That he doesn't just take back. Well, Pastor, how do I stay a right sinner then? When you do mess up, repent immediately. And he didn't say cleanse yourself from all unrighteousness. It says he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do babies change their own diapers? Come on, parents, help me out. When your baby, you know, has a, what they call a BM, bowel movement number two, you don't let them just sit in that all day. They all caked up, dried around there. You don't do that. The moment you start... say change yourself change you all right let's read one last place here Matthew 3 13 through 17 Matthew 3 13 through 17 because I want you to see how father God looks at us Matthew 3 and verse 13. Oh, boy, it's 9 o'clock. Let's, let's wrap this up real quick. Matthew 3, verse 13. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan. Why? To be baptized. To be baptized by him. Verse 14. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? Verse 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to do what? Fulfill all righteousness. Fulfill all righteousness. I want to be in right condition, right standing. It's necessary for me to be right. Then he allowed him. Verse 16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly... A voice came from heaven. I want you to imagine Jesus, how he must feel right now. A voice came from heaven saying this. See this father acknowledging his son publicly? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Why? Jesus had fulfilled righteousness. He was in right standing. If he hadn't gone to this baptism, he would not have been right, in right standing with God. You see that? So God said, I'm well pleased with you. This is my beloved. I'm going to let, every, let the whole world know this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So what happens? When you and I receive the gift of righteousness, it makes us instantly well, makes us instantly his son. We are already beloved. Makes us instantly his son or daughter and instantly well pleasing to him. Jesus hadn't done any ministry, hadn't cast out any devils, hadn't opened any blinded eyes, hadn't turned any water to wine, 
He just came through the water in right standing. That baptism was a cleansing. And when you and I come to the cleansing water of the spirit, the cleansing water of the word, Father, I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins as a, as a sinner when you come to him. All of a sudden now, instantly, he announces, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And all the angels in heaven begin to rejoice and celebrate because now you are instantly made righteous. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Can I take you one last place? Okay, let's go back to Romans 5. And let's read verses 18 and 19 in the Amplified Bible. Start at 17. Romans 5, 17. Amplified Bible. Let's see if I can read that. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing and grace, unmerited favor. I told you they blew that, right? And the free gift of righteousness putting them into right standing with himself. You see that phrase? Putting them into right standing with himself. That's what righteousness is. It puts you in right standing. Reign as kings of life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Keep going, please. Verse 18. Well then, well then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step. Now, who's the one man he's talking about here? Adam, okay? And falling away led to condemnation for all men. So one man's act of righteousness, who is this one man? Jesus, Jesus leads to what? Acquittal. Acquittal and what else? And life for all men. Now, it's Jesus Christ's one righteous act. Go back to verse 18, please. Leads to acquittal and right standing with God and men. Everybody say acquittal. Now, how many of y'all know what, a, what an acquittal is? Yes. Now, uh, if you go before the, in the United States court system and you are tried for a crime and you are acquitted, does that mean you're innocent? No. Does that make you innocent? No. Are they saying you're innocent? No. no, they're not even saying you're innocent. They're just saying you are you are not proven guilty. You might be guilty, we just couldn't prove it. We can't call you guilty, but as far as we know, we can't prove that you're guilty. So we, we acquitted you, which means you got off. But notice it says, we, you and I, it leads to acquittal and right standing. Now, right standing goes beyond acquittal. Right standing means it is really now as if nothing ever happened. Y'all remember in 90, was that 91, 94, 94? OJ, OJ was, got caught, he was on trial. If it don't fit, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Now, that don't mean he innocent. It just means you, if it don't fit, you must acquit. And he just put on a show. He put on a good show, boy. He's a Hollywood actor, boy. 
Y'all don't get mad when I say this, but he was just acquitted. He and his mama know he did it. And, but what happened? He wasn't put back in right standing. So civilly, he got, he had, he lost his civil case and had to pay big money civilly. See? So acquittal doesn't mean right standing. But when you and I are forgiven, received the gift of righteousness, we receive acquittal and right standing with God, which means we're justified as if nothing ever happened. It's been wiped off the record. It's as if the acts never occurred. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was going to message y'all about Kyle Rittenhouse, but y'all can't handle that. I'll get buzzed if I say something about Kyle Rittenhouse, boy. People will, people will start blasting pastor because he said something about Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't care. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I don't understand. All y'all cousins. How they talking about the boy racist and this is a racist thing. And this, this he's a white kid who shot three white men, sat in front of a white judge and a white jury. How do you get racism out of that? Everybody in this situation white. Everybody white, but we got racism? The media told that lie. The media had everybody thinking he gonna shot up some black people. Ain't no black people. He got acquitted, but he's not in right standing. Because even right now, he's trying to get into a certain college and they talking about, you know, people protest because people not, will never let him live a normal life anymore. Because you're not in right standing. But you, when you and I get born again, we are acquitted and put in right standing with God. As if the, as if the events never even occurred. Keeps no record. Verse 19, we'll quit. Verse 19. Verse 19. For just as by one man's disobedience fell into here, y'all listening? Uh, heedlessness and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners. So by one man's obedience, the many will be constituted righteous, made, watch this, acceptable to God, brought into right standing with him. I've been constituted, declared righteous. I've been made acceptable to God. Boy, you can't ask for anything more than that. I'm going to say this and then we can quit. Y'all stand to your feet. Because if you got this, boy, you, your life, your life is going to change. Because a person who knows, who knows they have an abundance of God's ability and knows they have God's approval cannot be stopped. I'll say it again. A person who knows, if you know you have God's ability in you and you know you've been approved by him, you cannot be stopped. 
What's going to stop you? Who can stop you? If God be for you, who can be against you? When he's for you, that means you're accepted to him. You can't be stopped. Tell your neighbor, I know who I am. I know what I have. I have an abundance of God's ability, and I have his approval. I cannot be stopped. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to throw this in, and I'm not turning back. You can take this whole world and keep it. I'm not turning back. I've been accepted by the best, by the highest, by the most. Amen. The gift of righteousness. Why don't you give God a big praise if you receive that word tonight? Hallelujah. I hope you receive that. We're going to dig in some more. Uh, the Bible is replete with stuff about righteousness. I mean, that's the whole foundation of the scripture is God making us where Adam and Eve were, where they started out and they fell from it, God restored it back to us. The place of righteousness, right standing with him. That's what allowed God to fellowship with Adam every day, just hang out with him. When you and I are righteous and know it, we can hang out with God every day. Amen. Without condemnation. Right. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much tonight for the word we have received. I thank you, Father, that you've spoken to us with revelation. Yeah with power, with the anointing. I pray, Father, that the anointing on this word has destroyed some yokes and removed some burdens in the lives of your people, and that, God, that revelation has flowed in this place freely, and that, God, we are being transformed even now by the renewing of our minds. We're renewing our minds to this righteousness, renewing our minds to understand, Father, that you've made us acceptable and approved by you, O Lord, that we are now faultless, guiltless, innocent before you, and that, God, Righteousness in our lives will lead to holiness. We want to be holy. But we understand that, Father, without, holy, without righteousness, there can be no holiness in our lives. And so, Father, I ask that these your people and those who are gathered watching online, those who watch broadcast later on, that God, every one of us would allow this word, this seed of righteousness, to become firmly planted in our hearts and produce in us the righteous fruit that you want us to, to, to become. Your word calls us trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Thank you that we will be trees of righteousness and give off the fruit of righteousness in this earth. Yeah. Use us for your will and glory, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, praise God.